content warning for today's episode. Uh, we will be covering uh, the topics of death, suicide, and obviously that of addiction. Uh, so be careful um, as to how, when, where, and if you do choose to listen to this episode. If you do need any support regarding any of the topics that we cover today, I will be sure to include some support resources in the show notes. Welcome to Screaming on the Inside. I'm your host Celeste. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, It is so wonderful to be a part of the alumni community and to be here hosting the first podcast episode of 2023. As we start yet another new year, I am for one very grateful for my recovery and for the opportunity to turn up for you guys. Today I have a special guest who will be discussing their personal experience of loving and losing someone to mental illness and addiction. Obviously the two uh, are very much one and the same. Uh, She has asked to remain anonymous, so I'm gonna call her Jay uh, to protect her identity. I really hope you enjoy this interview. I think it's sure to bring up some very well, potentially difficult things, but I, I think having these conversations are really, really important. So, uh, sorry to start the new year off on not such a light-hearted note, but I think we're all here to sort of explore these issues. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy. As ever, if you ever have any feedback for us here at the team about what you'd like to hear more of or what you'd like to hear about less, anything, you know, it is a community. So I'd really encourage you all to. Uh, feel that you can reach out to me and the team here and uh, you know you will be heard it's your community Um, so without further ado um, please do enjoy the interview now with Jay. Hi Jay Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today Um, so I think what I'll do is I'll just sort of open the floor and you can perhaps start just by telling us a little bit about your experience sort of in a nutshell and perhaps we can sort of take it from there. Hi, um, I introduce myself. Um, my name is um, Jay. I actually work at UCAT. Um, I've been working here for almost, um, well, I think it's about seven and a half years now. Um, just a bit of history um, about myself. I came from a um, very difficult, um, somewhat toxic and codependent background um, with um, my parents who um, and my mother is an addict and always has been an addict she's still smoking marijuana bless her at the age of 77 been a very difficult uh, mother and my father was absent for most of my childhood um, so yeah that, that that's just basically my background um, I um, had a relationship with the most uh, amazing man and human being who then became my husband and the father of my children from a young age. Um, I was 16 when we started dating Um, and now looking back on it through all the work that I've done um, I can see exactly what happened. Um, Wow that's young. It's young isn't it? It was young. Um, He was he was needy um, and I was looking to rescue because that's all I knew what to do. His mother had passed away when he was um, he was young he was only 13. um, A very difficult upbringing 
as well and a, a family history of gambling um, and then I found him um, at the age of 16 um, and you know we had a relationship um, you know a bit, a bit up and down early years um, without going into too many details you used to chase him out of uh, gambling clubs and, and things like that because mm. that's where I found him um, early hours of the morning when I couldn't find him um, oh you know with his family as well um, mm. but I loved it it was exciting it was fun um, he was looking at me to rescue him and my role of rescuer was amazing five star best role I've ever had <laughs> really good at it um, right <laughs> so good at it it was amazing I shouldn't laugh really so much but... <laughs> no do you know what if we don't laugh then uh, <laughs> then you know we need our humour to, to get us by yeah sure um, and you know our, our relationship um, moved on and um, we ended up living together um, I obviously encouraged him to go and get a job in the city um, and basically might as well have sat in and done the interview for him to be uh, to be honest mm. um, and the job role but he did he did go into the city and he did progress very well probably because of his gambling um, and addict behaviors yeah yeah um, at which point he found cocaine oh yes uh, so he was a city boy he found mm. cocaine and in the in the early years um, we would party together there was cocaine and champagne yeah. all over the city um, yeah, I used to know, work in the city. Yeah. It's, it really is. You can just see it everywhere. Cocaine it's so entrenched in the culture, isn't it? It's just normal. Yeah, it's it just, it just normal. became normal. Yeah. It wasn't normal for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we would occasionally go to these big fancy parties and I would be handed this, that and the other. And, you know, I... That was it. You know, mm -hmm. I was a social user and, and that's, that's how... Um, that, that's how we got on. Um, and he progressed and he became very well well known and very well respected in his um, community of friends mm. um, and in his working life as well mm. um, and just to give you an example you know by the time we were 29 um, we had two children young children um, we lived in a, a very big house which I suppose now is the equivalent of about two million pounds we were 29 years old Wow. Um, and that's really when all the problems really started. So um, I was blissfully unaware of, you know, the the, the lies, the manipulation, the deceit um, that comes with addiction. Do you think that, I just want to cut in there, you said that you were unaware. I've been in a similar situation. Do you think now looking back that you were unaware or were there perhaps signs there that you didn't see at the time there were signs yeah but yeah. the brain is the most amazing mechanism yeah in, yeah in that it doesn't allow you to really look at it no. because the picture the bigger picture for me um was the shame mm. the fear mm. um the young children that i had to bring up it's almost too difficult to look at isn't it yeah, yeah. and also he made himself very much the elephant in the room the, the, the crocodile yeah um you know he built that around himself so I became fearful yeah um, and you know on one side of him it was you know we used to call him A and B so um, hmm. you know A was amazing wonderful um, and B was vile yeah two very different people yeah. um, but by the time we got to the age of 30 he had had a breakdown and I didn't really understand the extent of what was going on I thought it was a financial 
something. Right. He he ended up in um, the first instance um, was at um, a rehab called the Priory Hospital. He goes in, 28 days, I'm at home, blissful with the children, thinking, well, hey, 28 days, my husband's going to come back. And I'm going to have Mr. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. That didn't happen. No. Um, I remember that was the first time I'd ever heard of a 12-step program, didn't even understand what it was. Um, My husband was so sick by this point, he was escorted from his uh, psychiatrist's office home to pick up his things and taken straight back into the Priory because he was on suicide watch. Oh, wow. Um, I later found out, um, you know, that, that he had turned to crack cocaine. He was a daily user. All our money had gone. Um, and, you know, as the years progressed, he unfortunately went into five different rehabs. We lost the house. We lost the businesses. We had a property company. Um, and in the meantime, I'm trying to bring up two young children. And he's disappearing on and off into different rehabs even begin to imagine um, that is but yeah I mean th- this was the love of my life as yeah. well and this is the man that I'd rescued from it's amazing a terrible chaos. life it's it was chaos it was chaos I mean there would be so many instances where he'd say he was on his way home with a Chinese takeaway and not turn up for three days yeah there was a flood in one of the properties and he couldn't come home that never happened he was taking a friend off to a rehab because uh, they'd relapsed that never happened. Um, he was out all night with a work colleague because this work colleague was, you know, in trouble and with prostitutes, and he needed to go and save him. I mean, there were so many instances. Um, but you know, I was very lucky in that I had an amazing, amazing therapist mm-hmm. who took a long time to 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 work with me. I then had to go into the twelve step program myself, so I did a lot of work with Alanon mm-hmm. and Coda. Coda, interesting. Al-Anon, I think a lot of our listeners will be aware of what that is. Uh, it's for support for the loved ones of those with addiction. Yes. Um, in around, you know, in, in a nutshell. Yes. Myself have been in uh, Al-Anon um, with my own father. Um, ended up in another fellowship eventually, but that's another story. But um, I would really like you to tell me a little bit more about Coda, actually, because codependency is something that we hear thrown yeah. around, banded around as a, as a word. What, what did Coda... Well, first of all, I suppose, what would you define as codependency and how did CODA help you with that? Okay, so CODA, I was told many years ago by by a therapist that 99.9% of the world have CODA Mm. and the 0.1% that haven't got CODA are in denial. They've also got CODA. (laughs) So we all have CODA to to some extent. And basically what it is, is for me, it's about putting other other people's needs in front of your own. Right. Yeah. Um, and that can be to their detriment as well as your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's unhealthy relationships, not having boundaries and not being able to carry through consequences. Right. And it's not about punishing somebody or making yourself feel better. Um, it's about, you know, relationships and, and how you have to look after somebody else by not doing everything for them. Right. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is... is you know, I have two children and I still do it, but my codependency is a lot better now because I'm able to say no and mean no and not feel guilty. And if you put a boundary down, I mean you it. will follow through with that yeah. boundary. See, it's really funny when, when I'm listening to you talk about codependency, I think, and I, I don't want to make this um, a, um, a gender issue, but uh, I think from my experience and um, sort of reading on it is that women are also, you know, very much more... 
um, tendency towards codependency because that's our role in society, oh, isn't it? Yeah, to, to love and nurture. To, to love and nurture. But you know, I, I've you know been there with my own experiences. You end up giving so much of yourself away mm -hmm. that you're actually not helping them or yourself. Yes. right. Yeah, you're taking their, their rights away from doing things for themselves. Yeah. you know, and they they have to learn. People have to learn to do things for themselves for their own mm. being. You mm -hmm. know, for, for for their own independence. Mm. Um, and confidence but when you take that away from them by thinking that you're doing everything for them actually you're not you're actually taking their right away right from you know acting out as a, as a, as a human being yeah absolutely and, and you know it, it, we, we talk about it a lot don't we it's, it's allowing that person to sometimes unfortunately and it's painful to do and I'd like to relate it back to your story in a moment but we, we talk about um, allowing people to reach their rock bottom in their journey and when we're codependent and we're constantly giving them safety rafts mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. they never reach the point and I know our listeners will relate to this they'll never reach the point where they're in a position where they have to accept and take ownership of their yeah. addiction because whatever their issue is at the time we're walking around them with this wheelbarrow yeah picking just, up the pieces yeah and catching and, them yeah. just just before they they yeah. fall and sometimes yeah. and it's the hardest thing to oh, do it's incredibly difficult it's incredibly and difficult and it took me you know I, i'm gonna zip forward now yeah. about yeah. 10 years wow okay. so this is going on this, ca on this chaos this chaos is going on on and off but in between that um you know my, my husband was amazing in the fellowships so he would we would both um go off to different places and do talks um you know we, we would go to conventions we went over to uh, la once we, we did the most amazing very and fancy i know and we, he was he was so respected and you know he did manage to get so many people you know his purpose when he was well he did amazingly right people listened to him and they stood up and they listened to him but unfortunately he could talk the talk but couldn't walk the walk so well and what i found you know and my message which I'll get to in a minute through all of this is that I had to do a 12-step program. I had to understand this illness as a family member. I had to understand my part of this illness, where I came in, because originally I thought he had a problem, but actually I had a problem. Right. As well. Because that dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, who accepts that? Mm. No one else would. Right. No, one, no, none of my friends would accept that, what, what was going on, but I did. Mm -hmm. So I then had to take it back, look at myself, and it took me many years um, to get to a place of acceptance under step one acceptance years. so yeah you know step one for an addict is probably a little bit easier because you're powerless over drinking drugs simple mm -hmm. don't drink or drug i'm powerless over somebody who is twisting manipulating narcissistic probably a psychopath who's using drink and drugs the father of my children and providing me a home mm -hmm. and money i've got to accept that i'm powerless and the consequences of that for me are huge took me a long time but um and then i hit my own rock bottom eventually mm. after many years of taking him back and forth and back and forth by um you know the signs came a lot of it came from my children who at the time were uh, 12 and 14 um the signs started to come from them i do believe i had you know um my higher power come down there were various different things that, that, that had happened um, but namely, my son said to me, Mummy, if you, if you want to leave Daddy, it's okay, you can leave him this time. Because prior to that, he had not wanted us to break up, and he offered for me to go. And that was a big, big thing. 
Another one was a, a neighbour had mentioned to me that I was a lady and my husband was not acting as a gentleman and I just thought if somebody from such a distance can see that, why can't I? Yeah. We can never see it when we're in it though. No. So funny, a bit of synchronicity there and um, I hope you don't mind me sort of, sort of saying this but um, it's funny what you said about um, someone with their own addiction. Um, it, it can be, you know, potentially be easier to get that acceptance, yes. right? Yes. That, that's what you were saying, yes. essentially. I, I actually found it much more easier to accept my addiction yes. than I did to accept the, the chaos and the, my father's addiction and yes. being a part of that family. That was what that took years of yeah, therapy. Yeah. Because so, there's so much more around. Yeah, it. it's the it's the it, well, it's, you've got a relationship with that person. You love them, you know. The love doesn't go no, just the because love. they're hurting you. Exactly. You so know that that, that so when I eventually had to leave him, I had no choice by this point. Um, he had become physically present, and I'm not going to say that he was violently abusive because he wasn't. He no. was verbally, but he was still physically present. Mm. You know that that uh, uh, that crocodile in the room had become. You know, an enormous tarantula. I don't know, like you big know, a big energy. dinosaur. Yeah. yeah, it was a big energy, yeah. and you know, it's a bit of criminality going on. And I could see the children were damaged. And anyway, eventually, I I did leave, not because I wanted to, because I had to, and I didn't stop loving him, but I had to go. Um, Gosh. And you know, I I won't go into the ins and outs of the, of the following six months, but you know, he did go off the rails, mm. um, and I left not to punish him this time. I left because I had to leave and because I'd worked so much on myself. Yeah. You know, I had to look after me and those children, but primarily me. And unfortunately, um, he did pass away from this illness. So there was a suicide six months after I left him. So he is no longer here to tell his side of the story. Mm. However, okay. And it was hard, it, you know, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't easy. I can't imagine. It was very difficult. I had a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Um, but I'm here to say about the things that I did right. Mm. So, you know, the things and, and the message that I bring um, is that the 12-step program and my work in Al-Anon and CODA helped me to understand, come to terms with, and know that it's not my fault. Okay, I cannot rescue um, it also taught me to not hide from my children. Now, my children didn't know it, everything, but they knew enough that when it came to it, they trusted me. Isn't it amazing that your child turned around to you yes. as the adult yes. and said, it's okay if you leave? Like, yes. and, and that reminds me, again, of the experience that we had. We were the children in the situation, but we knew more of what was going on than the adults did. We, you know, we were sitting there going... What, what are the adults doing see, to protect I us? I was you told, know? you need to tell your kids stuff, because if yeah. you don't, they're not going to trust you, because they already know it's going on. Oh, they know it's going so on. So you tell them, yeah. and if they don't like it, I'm really sorry, Yeah. but they already know they're going to trust you a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I didn't obviously tell them everything, and you know, to this no, day, they don't course. know what they don't need to know. No, no, of course. Um, but, you know, that that's basically... You know my story and unfortunately you know that there was a lot of financial strain and lots of other different strains that uh you know crack cocaine and you know all those other things and, and chaos that that he made especially in his last few months Fallout. um Fallout must to, have been it was immense it was immense um but you know i'm here i'm telling the telling the tale um mm -hmm. i i then had to go and get a job because it never really worked before and all i knew to do was this so um Hence, you know, I'm here, and, and you know, my 
you know, it's 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 a sad story. It's a really sad story because addicts go to hospitals, institutions, and graveyards. Reality of it, he took his foot off the pedal. He had an ego. He never really did what he was told to do on a daily basis. Mm. And even me and the children couldn't stop him. So, there, you know, when you're faced with this illness, you know, and probably had I stopped rescuing him so many times, he probably may have died earlier. I don't know, but I had to go. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't willing to live my life just to save this man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's what happened. I mean. You know, I, I'm very grateful that he left behind the most amazing legend. You know, people will still talk about him now and his work within, you know, AA and NA and, and CA. Um, and, you know, he's got two amazing children. Hmm. Um, his, his son is the image of him and uh, has all the good parts of him. Um, and I think coming into this industry and doing the work that I do has proven to my children that there's no shame around this. It's an illness. It's a disease. Yeah. Um, and what we have to do to overcome it as as a family mm-hmm. absolutely um so yeah that that's basically my story and uh, you know if anyone wanted to know any further details or you know i could probably sit here for hours and tell you the ins and outs of it oh gosh we could um, we really could but you know <laughs> it, it's coming from the other side um of, yeah. of the addiction um and you know it's a very difficult thing when you love somebody with all your heart and we are taught to love and nurture somebody that is unwell and what I'm telling you to do Mm. is stop doing that and actually walk away from the situation because you I don't know if something bad can happen to them or they're going to die I don't know no none of us know we never know know. but what I do know is that I couldn't rescue him because by god there was nothing that I didn't do to try yeah um, and and I saved myself. So and and in you know and I've been able to continue um, you know his his legacy of his children by doing so. Yeah, I mean, what a powerful gosh, what a powerful story. And it's um, it is really unbelievable the 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 same themes that run through us both of our stories and how much I relate to that. And I think if I can sit and relate to your story, I know that there are going to be so many people listening to this and. You know this. You know our, our support here, the work we do here, it is about our um, the, the people that have been in treatment with us. You know that is it is our role. However, the, you know everyone we work with has a family. Yeah, the forgotten the family. forgotten family, and I think it's really important to recognise that the addiction yeah, doesn't just impact the person in the addiction. It's everybody. No, well, do, do they say it's about like fifteen to twenty people? It uh, it spills out. The alcohol goes yeah. through the veins of, of all those. Yeah. people as well which you know it, that's why it's so important for the families to go and get the help as well because we don't realize that what we think we're doing is amazing and loving and nurturing and you know I used to make sure the right food was in the fridge that his bath was run that the children were well behaved that we had a social life the house was clean yeah. I was the perfect wife in yeah. every way none of that bloody helped no um, but I thought I was doing the right thing because I you know my job role was to rescue um, yeah. but, it, but it wasn't so you know what which is why it, this is a family illness because mm. you know and whether it's it's your husband your child you know your parents are dynamics is kind of different yes but actually be. the concepts are safe absolutely it's you've got safe. someone you love you want to save them you do everything in your power but unfortunately sometimes what we end up doing is the opposite and it's with all the best love in the world but and I love your message of acceptance I think 
you know, we talk about acceptance a lot in recovery, especially if you're in a 12-step program, but that really is the answer to all my problems today. Acceptance. Accepting what it. can I do to keep my side of the street clean? What do I have control over today and what do I not? And if you're somebody who loves an addict or has a relationship with somebody in active addiction, you have to really be able to sit there and accept that you can only do you. You cannot, you cannot, um, you know, as much as you want to, you cannot love that addiction out of them. You have to take a step love back that and let them. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. You know, you can't, you can't. I tried for years with my dad. Oh, and, you know, so and the consequences, you know, you say that you don't know. You know, my dad died. He died nine months after I pulled the plug on our relationship because it was killing me. It was absolutely killing me. And I could see what it was doing to our family. And it's sad, but I know now, much like you do, I'm sure, that, you know, it was terribly, terribly sad that he, he died, but I did all I could. Absolutely. I did all, and much like... Um, I, I thought, that, you know, yeah. I did everything that I could do. Yeah. Um, and his illness is... is it, it is an illness. That, you it's know, a baffling one. <laughs> but so many people don't, you know, recognise it as an illness no. or, or a disease. Um, mm. I know that that man never ever wanted to end up where he was, um, and you know the way he died, and you know where he was when he died, and you know that's horrific. So it must have been, it must have been some sort of illness. But so yeah, yeah. I'm just here, and I, you know, I try and carry my message to others. Um, I know you do. I know and you carry that to, message. You know my children as well. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, break um, that cycle. Hopefully, yeah. and also, um, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you have been able to make something positive out of such a, a harrowing story. You know that is your. You know that has been your life, and to be able to pass it forward. So I think that's what we're all just trying to do. And I think a lot of people when they come into recovery and they, they do well in recovery sort of start to think about, oh, how can I use my experiences to perhaps help others and that's how uh, that for me is the beauty in this not only the work but in just having a conversation about this stuff yeah. you know? and it, it just makes sometimes it just it just kind of makes sense of something that that, that has no sense yeah um, and the chaos um, you know ju just to be able to define it and, and put it into the boxes and uh, you know be, be able to hand it back over but you know what I would say to people is you know and I know addicts you know 99% have family members who are in addiction. Yeah. Um, and whether you're an addict or not, you know, you need to have a look at your behaviours around their addiction. Um, not yours, theirs. Because um, believe you me, I have plenty of character defects. I'm just not, you know, an addict of... of, of I don't of, have of, any. We were about... Just a couple. <laughs> Mostly my 23-year-old daughter tells me about them on a daily basis. Um, but, but, you know... My, my defects of character are not going to kill me, but what might kill me, okay, is if I carry on rescuing and finding addicts after addicts after addicts. And believe you me, after my husband died, I went into another relationship and did exactly what I was told I was gonna do if I didn't use my program properly. And I did, and I did it. I did it so beautifully. I jumped in right again with another, uh, with an alcoholic. <laughs> Excellent but, work. <laughs> but the good thing was, you know, I was able to, you know, leave that relationship in a healthy way, recognise that relationship quite quickly. Mm -hmm. That's the work. Um, that's that, the work. And that's where the work was. Yeah, it's not about not making mistakes. Yeah. We always will make mistakes, but it's recognising them, going yeah. back to the work. Yes. And, and every time you have uh, a little bit more insight and, uh, you know, get to move forward, you know. Yeah.
Oh, Jay, thank you so much um, for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm feeling a bit emotional, actually. It was um, really um, powerful to hear your story and also you know, the hope that comes out of it as well. And um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you if there was anything you wanted to close with. Um, not really. I just, I just hope that that maybe uh, you know, ha has helped some people, giving them some experience, strength and hope from a very different angle probably from mm. anything that you've heard before. Um, and anyone is more than welcome if there is a specific subject or something that I said or, or a trigger or, or any you know, experience of what I've just said that they want to hear in more detail, they're more than welcome to uh, you know, get me in contact, email and I'm more than happy to call them direct and we can have a chat. It's no problem at all. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much, Jay. Absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, with regard to getting in contact with us, um, we will have all of our information on the show notes. But you've got your usual way of uh, reaching out to us. And um, thanks again for taking the time to listen to um, my conversation with Jay today. All right. God bless. God bless.